to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Ben, I'm coming at you from my studio and also my bedroom. Oh, <laughs> your studio and become bedroom. Yeah. I was thinking about that. So you're stuck down there. I finally got thrown out, Ben. (laughs) But it's for a good reason. A good reason, but also like a fucking shitty reason. Yeah. It's a drag. My wife got double striped on the tester. You're a one stripe, but she's a two stripe. And a a house divided can't stand. (laughs) Yeah, dude. So I'm setting up shop in the studio until my wife single stripes again. When I double striped... My wife and I had been sleeping in the same room for a week at that point, and I was kicked out then. Because your wife was looking for reasons? Your wife was staying in the normal bedroom. Yeah. You're sleeping in the guest area. Yes. We didn't have a guest bed, so I went and slept on the couch when I double-striped. Yep. She got back from a trip, and she's been back for two nights, so we had two nights of being together like normal. Yeah. She double-striped today, and I single-striped today. And I'm feeling fine, and she's feeling shitty, which sucks. Like, she's got the kind that uh, is making her feel bad, so. Yeah, that's a drag, man. I I don't want to get too serious about this, so I won't. (laughs) But I will say there is a consequence to this arrangement that is devastating, Ben. Mm. The Toto Washlet is (gasps) in that bathroom. And I'm stuck with just a regular cold toilet seat, which doesn't shoot anything at my butthole. <laughs> I'm taking dumps manually. Oh, man. <laughs> your, your wife is so studied at not giving me the satisfaction. Because I went over <laughs> to your house one time a while ago, and... That was just a glimpse into what my life is, by I, the way. <laughs> I cracked a joke I said something about how, oh, I noticed that you don't have 100% of the toilets in your house converted to Toto washlets. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, Ben, that's because we have a bunch of toilets. <laughs> God, like, she just smashed your balls oh, over over being a single bathroom household so over at your place. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think uh, about having one washlet would be 100% washlet coverage. Yeah, 100%. At least you'll sleep well, right? Yeah. Got that whole bed to yourself on the fold-out couch. <laughs> I'm going to wake up sore. I'm not going to feel great after every poop I take. <sighs> and this is just day one, man. Man, it's really like most of the disadvantages of having a terrible illness are following on you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who's really feeling the brunt of this thing? <laughs> who's suffered for real? <laughs> This is an episode coming out in July where uh, I hope the condition hasn't turned far worse. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, I hope she feels better soon, man. She did not deserve that. You guys have been so careful. Yeah, it sucks. And uh, yeah, not too worried about you, though. You've got a lot of booster in you and a pretty recent one. I've had four shots in me. I mean, like, the only person beating you at this point is that guy in Germany that got it, like, 90 times so that he could sell <laughs> fake vaccination records to people. Yeah. That guy is, like, the perfect COVID guy because he's got the clients that are the most afraid of the vaccine, and he's the least of, afraid of the vaccine. Like, they span the entire vaccine concern spectrum. He's like, keep putting them in me. <laughs> it's perfectly compatible yeah. in, a, in a yin-yang. Tin man. That guy could go for a fucking swim in pure COVID and come out smelling like a rose on the other side. Damn. That is a lot of shots. Yeah. I mean, putting aside whatever medical consequences there may be for just that much <laughs> of whatever it is put inside you, Yeah. taking that time out of your day to do it like 
<laughs> you don't have a job if you're getting that many, right? My arm was always sore for a couple of days after. He's, that guy must have had a sore-ass arm for a long time. I mean, you got to go every other arm, don't you? Yeah. You, if you're getting them with that frequency. Can you put this one in my butt? <laughs> I'd want them all over the place. I'd make up any excuse. Yeah. Put all 90 of your shots in me, Daddy. Well, that's what I'm dealing with over here, Ben. Yeah. I'm so sorry for you particularly, since yeah. all of the bad stuff is happening to you. And to yep. a lesser extent, your wife, who is very sick, and I feel really right. bad for her. I think that's stated perfectly. Nobody's going to have a weird misunderstanding of that and, like, say something weird about it on Twitter. There's no way the transcript of that isn't going to be devastating to me. <laughs> when read out in the court case. It, it's not like I had a reputation to save no, anyway. What reputation? No one gives a shit. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that the miracles of modern science can help your wife, and maybe even you, Adam. If it's not science, I'm going to be over there with a couple of hand tools moving the washlet over to the guest bathroom. <laughs> you going to liberate the washlet? She's <laughs> like, I thought you were bringing me dinner. You, you getting the washlet? <laughs> It's season four, episode seven of Voyager, Scientific Method. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. This is a fun, fancy meeting you here moment to start the episode. It's BLT crawling through a Jeffrey's tube and... Torres in a tube. Are the little firewall doors always closed? It seems like you'd want to keep them closed at all times, right? Yeah, because like then they don't have to close in case of like a hull breach or something like that. Right. The the energy is already expended. If a plasma fire were to break out. Yeah. Seven of Nine's been caught messing around with the energy of the ship. I loved how this was kind of unfolded because Tora is like is in the tube looking for what's causing a problem. And that kind of comes out. As she comes to understand what Seven is in there doing. I'm reconfiguring the power couplings in this section. Why? She's been having problems with diagnostics. Seven of Nine has been monkeying with the power systems to shunt some power to the new astrometrics lab that uh, they keep referencing. And uh, she didn't ask anybody. No. Hierarchy don't come natural to a Borg's. Better to uh, not ask forgiveness than not ask permission. If you're a Borgs, right? Because <laughs> I was like, initially I was like, like Seven was like, well, nobody was working here. So this seemed like a cool place. And I was like, didn't she like two episodes ago complain about being too lonely? It's such an interesting choice to make BLT this person too, right? Because for the entire season, BLT has kind of been the bully of Seven of Nine. Right. And I would have guessed that this scene would have been all about... Seven of Nine, learning a lesson about a hierarchy and there being rules on the ship or whatever, but it's really about BLT recognizing that she's become what she used to hate the most. She became what she said to destroy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a very Star Trek scene in that way, like that BLT recognizes a lesson that she herself has like learned to the extent that it's an instinct now. And is now going to try and impart on Seven of Nine in a friendlier way than uh, her opening gambit would have led you to believe. Seven arrived just the other day. She came to the ship in an unusual way. There were holes to patch and power relays. Punched Ensign Kim while I looked away. Then she got a job in engineering, and then I knew. I said, I used to be like you. Bad. You know I used to be like you. (laughs) And the cat's in the cradle in the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. They'll get assimilated, but they don't know when. We'll be together then. They're gonna get some nanoprobes then. This is a real cat's in the cradle moment, right? Yeah, it's it's good. Paris is uh, interested in skipping out on work. He uh, he talks to the doc about like, hey, I got this report about uh, navigation to write up for Chakotay. He's really gonna stomp my nuts if I don't get it to him on uh-huh. time. What's the doctor so worried about? There's nothing going on. Like, the doctor's reading a fucking novel. Well, it's my con report, actually. Yeah, I mean, we get the look around at the end of the scene. No one's there. 
It's like working a holiday in an office building. It like, sucks. The phone's not ringing. Yeah. I mean, you would like it, but Paris doesn't. Low-key, though, I really like the sequence of this, right? Because we get empty sickbay, boring sickbay here. Yeah. Completely unaware that in another 20 minutes, shit <laughs> is going to go buck wild in there. Yeah. So Paris goes to uh, set something up with the computer, site-to-site transport into a Jeffrey's tube. And uh, he's also going to use some uh, some replicator credits to make flowers made out of human shit. That's pretty good for shit. <laughs> to woo his girlfriend with. Yeah, these don't smell right. <laughs> <laughs> he transports himself into a Jeffrey's tube, not realizing that all Jeffrey's tube doors are sealed shut naturally. Yeah. So his arm is cut off beamed in the middle of this thing and the hand holding the flowers falls through it's a really upsetting image probably the most grisly thing we've seen in star trek ever since uh the nub and bugs episode oh yeah they start smooching though once he gets his arm bandaged up and then uh the pov of the camera like clicks and suddenly it's like a medical scan of them we're seeing inside their bodies if you've ever gone to bodies the exhibit and wondered what it would look like if they just started making out. <laughs> That's what this shot does. It is gross as hell. It really is. Uh, I, I don't w- like it. Didn't they like get the bodies from some like bad place, like a prison or something? That's why I never went, because I was like, eh, it seems bad. I kill people and sell their corpses for cash. You think with a shot like this that this is going to be the visual leitmotif of the entire thing like this equals they're being studied by these aliens but what my theory presupposes is that this show does not want this relationship to appear sexy or romantic hmm because it becomes so clinical in this moment by the end of the episode i think I think this isn't the only instance of it. I think they try extremely hard to make their relationship seem not hot. Hmm. Why would they do that? I don't know. Well, let's uh, let's keep looking for uh, for moments where you can uh, extrapolate on this observation because I'm I'm curious about your theory. How about this leaflet? After the credits, we come back and the captain is in a massage chair. The camera's shooting like directly vertically. Into the face, her gives her a medical massage. And the captain is in a position that will become very confusing later in the episode. But for right now, she's getting scolded for being so stressed out, which is a great way to, like, help somebody unclench. (laughs) You like a hard massage, Ben? I sure do. The harder, the better. Really beat me up. I feel like that, but I've also never had a massage that I felt like was good. God. I finally found someone to do a good sports massage up in Seattle before I moved away. Oh. And it was like right up to the point where I wanted to say, okay, that's too much. <laughs> it was like massage edging. Yeah. And I never said it because it was exactly the right amount. Wow. That's great. Was that rolfing? It's like a really, really intense massage. I thought rolfing was when the massage therapist wears like a brown furry <laughs> costume and it's like you want me to work more on your shoulders <laughs> i love a nice out of tune piano and i love what i'm doing so uh captain very stressed out is also mm-hmm. a uh, motif that is set up early in this episode and i was also just blown away when so she's like called away by chakotay who's like there's some uh some energy readings that w- we knew you'd want to hear no matter mm-hmm. what you were doing yeah. And she gets up and is is like getting ready to walk out in in the towel that uh the masseuse gave her. The reveal is that they're in her quarters. I was like, yeah. "Oh was shit. Say this. What?" <laughs> yeah. Did the EMH bring the massage table? You know there was a moment before the massage where Janeway like she's going on a first date is like if you don't hear from me in five minutes, you need to call and tell me that you've picked up an energy reading on the bridge. (laughs) And this totally gets her out of this massage that she clearly is not enjoying. Yeah. She goes up to the bridge, and uh, what they've got on the screen is a couple of pulsars and a binary system. 
Th- I mean, this is great. This is a scientific marvel. I personally feel like pulsars are on a spectrum, Ben. So, I mean, this is, an, this is a very old show, though. Mm, yeah. There's not just two kinds of pulsar. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair. Surprised you didn't know that, Ben. Well, you know, we're all learning, and we learn these things at different paces. And what's important is that you're open to learning about the different kinds of pulsar. Not you're that... so perfect at this, man. Like, I can't shame you. <laughs> They're doing that thing that they always do with female characters in TV, which is that, like, you show that they're wrung out by having their hair be slightly not perfect. Right. She's a little bit of the massaged samurai here. Yeah. She's like, do whatever you want with the pulsars. Uh, <laughs> I can't really be bothered. It seems like a great part of being a captain is just delegating the boring yeah. to your first officer, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we cut away to Paris sneaking down to the engineering deck where he is uh, looking to get a little bit more one-on-one time with BLT. And they sneak off to her upper station they're called boobs Ed. this looks like a great place to throw someone off into a pit of plasma fire oh yeah but uh it's also not a bad place to do a little hot makeout while people work down below and can't quite uh, get an angle on what's happening up there have you ever roped into a plasma fire <laughs> tom paris has <laughs> <laughs> they're rolling around on the controls and making the computers beep and I totally thought the Tuvok was coming in to be like, you've activated the, like, <laughs> emergency self-destruct or something. They really need to find a breast-pumping room or something Yeah. on the ship. This whole, the, the out-in-the-open thing is that they're always just out in full view or partial view. This is a problem. Ensign Wildman's inevitably going to be in the pumping room, right? Right. Yeah, always occupied. I said I needed time to pump and you refused to change the meeting, so here we are. Do you understand how the balcony in engineering works? Because we never see the floor, but we see Tuvok standing four feet taller than them somehow. (laughs) I don't know, yeah. It seems like there's maybe like a a split-level situation. Yeah. He doesn't seem to give any fucks about what they're doing. Mr. Paris, I do not like to watch. (laughs) You can tell me about it while I jack it later. Did you notice that BLT mouths the word fuck at the end of this scene? Like in that holy shit we've been caught kind of way? I did not. That's great. She turns away from Tuvok and she's like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she totally does. Wow. (laughs) Right? That's what makes it such a great word, because when you watch someone make it, it's like teeth on top of the bottom lip. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. it can be no other word. It looks like she's saying, I want a vacuum. (laughs) But what she's... (laughs) Do you think Paris is just walking around with a charger the whole time? Like, just going make out to make out? No, yeah. I, I mean, think you want to rope into the plasma fire if you're him. New relationship energy is really intense, and yeah. uh, you'd hope that the Starfleet uniform has like a sturdy enough because it doesn't have a belt, but it has that elastic at the waistline. So you're hoping yeah. he can get it up under that just to make it a little bit discreet. You're praying for elastic at that point. Yeah. What tensile strength? A nice sturdy elastic, like in a way that you wouldn't want the rest of the time because it's a little constricting. But you need the constriction here. (laughs) You need it real bad, Ben. He catches up with Tuvok and he's like, hey, so uh, you're not going to tell everybody, are you? In an official capacity. Like, it's not just being socially outed. It's like a professional thing. Like, you're not going to put this in your report. Right. Yeah. Is the question. Because there's probably some policy and uh, they haven't, like, spoken to the HR department about it yet. Clearly, there's been some fraternization. So later, BLT and Paris are like on their way to a McLaughlin group. Issue one. And they're in the elevator on the way there, worrying about, do people know? Is Tuvok the only person that knows? Do we think he's going to blab? How freaked out are we right now? And 
they get to that moment where they're like, well, maybe this is like the moment where we need to talk about like, what is this? Is this mm-hmm. something that is going to last long enough that we do need to kind of address it on a professional level? Conversation like this really goes a long way in uh, in softening Paris's rig. <laughs> it's it's now fallen out of the elastic in a way that is a little more comfortable. Yeah. She's like, oh, is that a calico cut onesie? He says, I donated. A lot of people give. Do they even want to keep this a secret is the question here. And for now. At least for now. Now. Solves a lot of problems with their current situation, right? Because it doesn't leave Paris out on a limb. Yeah. About his prediction for their relationship future. It's a real hedge. It is a hedge. But like early in a relationship, you kind of have to do that right you like you do you're always hedging you don't plan a ten thousand dollar all expenses paid vacation a year out when you're two weeks into a a relationship you know it just doesn't make any sense no so they get to this uh meeting and chakotay is kind of running it and he's talking about okay we're gonna survey this uh this binary pulsar uh you know we gotta be really careful because it's super fucking dangerous and, you know, it's a pretty perfunctory thing. Everybody's dismissed. But then the captain, who has been really, like, glowering through the whole meeting, uh, keeps Paris and Torres after class. Who is she mad? <laughs> Her points are super valid, but the way she makes them just betrays how much she's suffering here. Yeah. Physically. She is, like, staring off into the mis- middle distance as she questions their conduct and, you know, really just stomps all over them for making a total public display. Uh, you know, like, unclear what she has personally seen, but it sounds like the crew is definitely all a titter, and she does not like that. Right. Paris, go to the holodeck and get one of Da Vinci's jack-off machines. <laughs> <laughs> Do whatever you want to do, but uh, don't do it in front of everyone else. Janeway isn't the only one suffering from an unusual amount of fatigue because Chakotay in his quarters is working late and he seems just as tired. Yeah. But hey, if you want to stay awake, Chakotay, try turning on your lights. Yeah. He's working in a darkened room. What are you doing, man? This isn't Deep Space Nine. You can get, you yeah. can get it much brighter in there. He burns a couple replicator rations on some coffee, and this coffee really fucking hits. Yeah. Like, his hands start shaking. That's when you know you've had too much caffeine. It's a shame, right? Because he, he drops most of it on the floor Yeah. Uh, with these shakes. What a waste. I've had some really intense, like, Kyoto-style cold brew. Yeah. I've never had the cold brew where you go to the mirror and run your hand through your hair and, like, clumps of it start coming out. How did they do this effect? I don't know. It's really good. I thought this was incredible because you see all of his hair there. Yeah. And then as he runs his hand through it, a like bacon strip of scalp is revealed. It's it's bonkers. And yeah. it's also like it's also bonkers because he's like just splashed water on his face and his and and then he comes up. Whatever whatever that is is stuck on enough that when he splashes water on his face while he's leaning over, it doesn't yeah. fall off. But then when he touches it with his hand, it comes away. It's really good. Boy, they really don't give you a lot of basin on this ship, do they? It doesn't look like a sink big enough for a face. Yeah. Does it? If you're going to go get down there? Yeah. And also, it's a a sink without a countertop next door. You're just going to splash water all over the carpet around you, right? It's, It's one of the main reasons why I hesitated to join the military. I need a nice big sink. Well, I mean, this is a ship full of carpeted bathrooms, too, in yeah. a way that is that, disturbing. That's one of the other reasons. <laughs> yeah. Ben never joined the Navy because of the carpeted bathrooms. I bet the sound deadening properties of a carpeted bathroom are pretty advantageous, though. Mm-hmm. For someone like me, for sure. <laughs> a popcorn pooper? Mm-hmm. That's not all the time. I was talking about an example of a kind of thing that can happen, not the nor. People were like, oh, man, I think you're sick. Yeah, you should get that checked out, man. People were like, dude, you need to do a sleep study and you need to speak to a gastroenterologist. And I was like, what? Yeah. 
<laughs> is podcast diagnosis the most parasocial thing <laughs> that gets done in this world? I was not trying to imply that either of those were my normal. <laughs> you didn't even tell anyone how much blood was in your stool. Yeah. People wouldn't believe how much blood is in my stool. Red velvet popcorn. That's what you're making. <laughs> Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. When we come back from a commercial break, we meet Chacolte. <laughs> and that tattoo goes back a lot further on his head than I had previously known. Good Lord. The reveal here <laughs> is outrageous. <laughs> He looks almost Cardassian, how far back his eyes have sunk in. If this is how he ages, I wouldn't want to get old if I were him. It's fucking unbelievable. I will say this about Chakotay. His attitude is about as healthy as could be in a circumstance like this. Commander Chakotay is suffering bone decalcification, tissue necrosis, decreased visual acuity. <laughs> Sounds great. I would be horrified. And scared out of my mind because there's like the doctor's like, we don't know how this happened or how to reverse it. Yeah. And Chakotay is like, all right, well, let me know when you figure it out. I'm going to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> like, take a sick day, Chakotay. <laughs> this is what's wrong with this workplace culture here on yeah, Voyager. Yeah. Like, you're, you're made to feel ashamed for taking it's a sick day. Such a toxic blood and guts workplace. Like Even when you've been aged at a DNA level, like 80 years into the future, you still don't want to take one. Chicote is like, well, if I hit my communicator and ask Janeway, I've got to sound like I'm old. Like, do I sound <laughs> old in the room? How do I sound older? I wanted to believe that this horrible thing's happened. Yeah, yeah. Bueller trying to load <laughs> old man sound effects into his... <laughs> Keyboard. Is it serious? Uh, I don't know. I hope not. When Janeway goes into Chakotay's quarters later, the dummy does not sit up straight at all. It's just sort of like, <laughs> Later on, Kim and Paris are in the mess hall, and Kim is kind of busting Paris's chops for having let his business get out in the street enough that the captain knows about it. Neelix is offering them uh, some uh, some scrambled eggs for breakfast. And Kim is like, can I get some leftover casserole from last night? What the fuck? <laughs> the viewers at home just saw you make a very funny face. <laughs> casserole face. I mean, people are developing a lot of strange symptoms on this episode. This one goes totally uninterrogated in a way that I found very upsetting. Kim's preference for leftover casserole, a bizarre turn. We never know how they're experimenting on him. Harry Kim is so fucking nasty. <laughs> I love how Kim and Paris are talking about horny stuff, standing in front of a bowl of eggplants. <laughs> I know, they invented that emoji. They had no idea yeah. how meaningful that would be. Yeah. Neelix collapses in the kitchen, and uh, they rush him to Six Bay. And uh, when he gets there... He's covered in pox. He's like, uh, he's got spots all over his face. This scene is my favorite scene in the episode. Because you're, you're immediately disabused of the idea that, that Neelix is in any real danger here. Yeah. It's just like a weird recessive gene having to do with Talaxians and Mylians or whatever. It's, it just gave him, gave him some spots. So he goes and he sits next to Chakotay. <laughs> and they're like two olds on a park bench comparing maladies yeah and uh and just looking at chakotay makes you hurt and neelix is like yeah man i fucking stink and i'm like staggering around and chakotay runs down his laundry list of aches and pains and it is just a delight it is so funny it's really good it's funny at a moment of great danger like for everyone else on the ship though this scene shouldn't be compatible with the rest of the episode but it totally is it's like a deep breath before something stressful. It's also so unusual for the show to throw one of the comedy moments at Beltran. And yeah. he is like totally holding his own in this scene with Neelix, just being like one of the silly olds. <laughs> it is really funny. So the doctor heads down to the medical lab where he is working with Torres on scanning the DNA of uh, Chicote and 
she gets this special scanner up and running for him, and he zooms in onto the molecules of Chakotay's DNA and finds, like, a barcode on there. I'm no microbiologist, but that doesn't look like it belongs there. Believe me, it doesn't. Like, he's talking about it as, like, a, a contaminant or something initially. It's definitely not naturally occurring. Like, it really helps to see it, huh? Yeah. I love this scene because it's like, it's a little bit longer than I was expecting it to be. I thought it was going to be a like, oh, that's weird. That's an interesting revelation. But then like Torres looks and then she like wants to go scan the the sample somewhere else. And then he puts in Neelix's DNA and they like come up with like a kind of like a working theory of what's going on in this scene over the course of a number of beats and... It's probably, like, oversimplified, but I love a scene where, like, two people are, like, working on a science problem together and, like, they resolve multiple questions through it. It's really interesting. It's bonkers that this thing attached to the DNA is also transmitting a signal. It's not just a marker that suggests that, that some other force is at work here. It's like a technology. Yeah, and the technology has a phase variance so they're going to like see if they can scan for stuff that has this phase variance and the doctor goes over to set up the scanner and like almost blips out blt looks at his mobile emitter and is like you are being erased right now my friend yeah and suddenly she is collapsing on the floor unable to breathe and the doctor beams himself away minutes before being erased apparently just in time. Scary moment. In Six Bay, Paris gives Janeway the update about what happened. These genetic mutations have become an outbreak all around the ship. And BLT's on a respirator, which means, crucially, Paris can't make out with her. Yeah. And this is a real problem for Paris. And he goes on and on with Janeway about how her inability to breathe makes kissing very difficult and uncomfortable. The breathing tube that they put down her throat. Like, it's, like, right in the way. And he's like, she's so sick. Think about how this affects me. (laughs) And, like, she's got the washlet in her quarters, so I can't go there while she's sick. Yeah, we aren't at the point of our relationship where she's given me the keys to her quarters, so, like, (laughs) I'm stuck out here with a dirty butt. (laughs) It sucks. Seven of Nine is listening to all of this. Yeah. And is so relieved when she gets a phone call and uh, has an excuse to tune out and listen to something else. This is great. The doc is like, hey, <laughs> I'm in your ear. <laughs> I made myself really small. <laughs> and I'm in your ear. You know that Da Vinci program with all the jack-off machines? Meet me in there. It has nothing to do with the jack-off machines. I just need to talk to you. I'm going to destroy the ship right after you meet me in there. But for right now, I just want to crumple this ball of paper. Oh, that's really nice. In the holodeck, uh, the doc tells Seven that there's something causing these mutations. They aren't just happening on their own. And that the weird thing about it is that like, once he and BLT got close to kind of arriving at a breakthrough... It felt like they were sidelined, like his, his program started to break up and BLT lost the ability to breathe. And so the suggestion is from this evidence is that they're being monitored. And, and the closer they got to a solution was the moment where they were kind of taken off the board here. So he's like, there's that phase variance thing. I'm going to modify your Borg's eye so that it can see energy in that phase variance. You walk around the ship. See if you see anything in here first, and and we get like a fun 360 of the Da Vinci workshop with the horny shadows cast uh, across the wall and everything. Do you get why the holodeck is not a place where they can be surveilled? I think it's just that the aliens don't think anybody is in there right now. Yeah. The funny thing about this 360, though, is that uh, Da Vinci's workshop has a skeleton in it. And I was like, ah, skeleton. (laughs) (laughs) That must be it. (laughs) I really love going POV here because it increases the tension, right? We're slowly panning around as seven. I fully expected to see something that didn't belong there. Totally. But no, it's just jack-off machines and skeletons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So this puts Seven in an interesting place because she can't tell everyone that she's in touch with the Doc because we know that the aliens want to take him off the board. But that means she is in this weird position of uh, being an untrustworthy actor doing weird, untrustworthy shit. And also, like, allowing herself to be experimented on when she sees one of these aliens close up. Like, she can't betray that she's in touch with the Doc or that she has this special knowledge. Yeah. She, she starts walking around the ship and seeing people. And when we're in the non-POV camera shots, they look normal. And then when we go into her POV, they have these, like, crazy medical rigs on them and there are also people in these kind of long drapey clothing with loaf and weird haircuts walking around scanning these people and like fiddling with the weird medical technology on them there's a lot of interest in orthodontia i think with how many crew people are wearing headgear yeah right (laughs) no kidding yeah they're like our people are studying the various techniques of orthodontia and it will save millions of children from having slightly askew teeth. It's weird. Like on her way to the mess hall, she sees like a couple of instances of this. But once she arrives at the mess hall, it is like a full blown clinic in there, basically a clinic that no one knows that they're in. And she's like trying to like sotto voce communicate with the doctor about what's going on. And uh, it feels really like tense because they're they're everywhere. These these people, these invaders, are all over the fucking ship. She gets word to the doc about this experience, and the doc tells her that her next stop has got to be Janeway. Yeah. This has got to rise to the level of telling the captain. Obviously, she's a little stressed out, so like, don't like unload on her. But uh, you know, if you can ease into it, let her know. I mean, we see what a very benign incident does to Janeway in the next scene where Tuvok's like, hey, just giving you the update on that thing or whatever. And Janeway is not in the mood for any shit whatsoever. Yeah. No progress is not good news. Good job by Tuvok kind of breaking this spell. Yeah. Because she's like, and another thing. Dom and Mm -hmm. Bellana, I'm still mad about that, so... Like, we're going to start really fucking cracking down on people that fuck around, and we're going to get a lot more rigid on this ship. It's going to be much more of a four-shift rotation kind of energy around here. If I can't fuck, no one will fuck. (laughs) Install the chastity bathtubs in every quarter to rock. (laughs) And he's like, hey, like, I know there's this mutation crisis or whatever. uh, Great turn of phrase. But, uh... Maybe when it's over, uh, you can uh, take a little vacay. It seems like you really need it. When this mutation crisis is over, I think I'll spend a few days in Renaissance Tuscany. There's coffee in the little inn outside Siena I've been wanting to try. I will join you for a glass of wine. Tuvok's really nice support system here. Yeah. When Seven walks in, she POVs on Janeway, who... I will remind everyone, was face down in a massage chair at the beginning mm-hmm. of this episode when she was already displaying the symptoms of this. She's got, like, st- stuff sticking out of her forehead and her temples? Yeah, but... How but did the massage chair not just, like, push those fucking chopsticks into her brain? Those aren't corporeal chopsticks, though, Ben. Like, the aliens can't be run into either, can they? You think they're running around dodging people? Oh, so it's because it's out of phase, you can just like... Woo, 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 woo. I think you that's can, what's happening. You can wave yeah. your hands right through it? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's what I think. Damn. Uh, so Seven is looking at these aliens that are working on the captain, and she's like, well, I can't tell her here and now. Not in front of these aliens. Yeah. So she goes back to the holodeck to confer with the MH and... They're talking about, okay, so these guys are everywhere. They're all over the fucking ship. We got to, like, break the spell and get everybody to notice these medical devices on them all at once. And they come up with the idea of, like, shock everyone. Yeah. Like, if they can, like, release an electronic pulse through the ship that stuns everyone, it will hurt for a second, but then they'll see these these devices. Seven of Nine seems very enthusiastic about this plan by the way (laughs) 
hurting everyone all at once is agreeable. Right. <laughs> so this seems like a great plan, and she is off to engineering to work on the project, and she's like keying stuff into a computer, and Tuvok is onto her right away. I've got to get that platinum, get that roll by large Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that planning a heist? Gold. Did you ever get the sense that Tuvok was a subject to these experiments? You never see him through her eyes in a way that would tell us. I didn't see him having symptoms, but yeah, maybe they hadn't gotten a, a gadget on him yet. Yeah. I don't know. So he like goes down to engineering to stop her from shimodaing the ship because she's like pulling ice linear chips out in engineering. It's pretty hard to find a station in engineering without a butt print on it at this point, right? <laughs> you hope BLT and Paris are being fastidious with the wipe down. Right. Yeah, the uh, the cleanup. Mm -hmm. You would hope. He's like, where do you want me to finish? And she's like, in the fire. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, you go first. I'll come later. No. Aim it at the plasma <laughs> fire, Paris. <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to like get him to take her word for it that this is legitimate shit that she's doing. Yeah. He does not take her word for it. She's not good at deception. Uh, one of these aliens sees that she's like making eye contact with them. And so she just has to like grab Tuvok's gun and stun her. Well, she takes a hostage. Yeah, now it's been revealed. This person is going to be put in the brig. Tuvok is like, oh, so you were actually doing something for real. This brig scene is great, I think, because the hostage that Seven took gets interviewed by an already cantankerous Janeway. Just ready to kill, I think. <laughs> There's a nice rim light on Janeway when she enters the, mm-hmm. the brig scene, and I was just picturing the like onset makeup and hair person just yeah. like restraining themselves from rushing in with some fucking hairspray and like getting all the flyaways down yeah. on Janeway. <laughs> Flyaways tell the story here. The flyaways are doing a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. I love how the scene plays out because the cold detachment of the alien, you know, citing their own protocol and procedure for their reasons for doing this. Yeah. Meeting up against Janeway's frayed nerves is great. And it's a kind of a role reversal of what you'd expect out of Janeway and a prisoner. It really is. The prisoner is like totally unafraid and is like trying to make the case of the needs of the many. Like we've got like millions of people that we help with this research and it's just worth doing for all of the reasons that you can think of doing medical research. And, uh, you know, like the fatality rate's not even going to be that bad, especially if you leave us alone and let us do it. Yeah, but the more you resist... The worse it's going to be. Yeah. And this this is a form of a threat as Janeway takes it. And Janeway is not down to receive any threats in her current state. Yeah. They did the wrong experiment on this captain. (laughs) (laughs) They've been raising her dopamine levels, which really perked my ears up because we just watched an episode of Strange New World that everybody's dopamine levels are are raised. I was like, man, what the hell are the chances? How do I get me some of that dopamine? Yeah, it seems like it's really fun for Janeway. Yeah. <laughs> get me some of that. I mean, I probably wouldn't be able to pull off show hair if I had a lot of dopamine. <laughs> as far as I can see, that's the only downside. Right. So Seven reports that the uh, the shock everybody gambit is not uh, going to work. The aliens seem to be controlling the computers at this point. Uh, they don't really have a leg to stand on. They're having this McLaughlin group in her office with the EMH and Tuvok and Seven. Issue two. And uh, you know they're 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 up against it. Like it's like the aliens have everybody in a fucking device at this point. And control of the ship, right? Yeah. And so if they can't like stop all of the aliens all at once, the aliens can drop many many crew members. And there's an object lesson in this of a young. Ensign, who dies of just like a massive raise in her blood pressure on the bridge. Does a blood pressure spike make it look like you've been attacked by a bear, though? What they're describing is her blood pressure went up so much that it just like blew through all of her arteries and stuff. This is a pretty intense scene because the doctor pronounces that uh, she's dead and her internal organs are basically pudding in there. Yeah. And Janeway continues to do the CPR out of desperation. And so when uh, when they finally are like, she's dead, this is not going to help, she gets up and immediately just goes over to Paris's station and puts the ship on ramming speed course with the binary pulsar and begins to play a game of gravimetric chicken with these aliens. I'd say the odds of us getting through this are what? One in ten? One in twenty. All I do is bets, bets, bets. No I got to believe that Janeway always has in her back pocket the interest in destroying the ship <laughs> at someone. Yeah. Uh, whether or not it's setting auto-destruct or otherwise. This is a, a fresh new spin on an old favorite, I think. Yeah. Kim, in addition to Tuvok, seems to be the other crew person that is 
like uniquely unaffected in, the, yeah. in these moments. Uh, they both are fine, and they're like calling out like the increase to pterodynes of gravimetric pressure, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, Kim is like, maybe we should like increase power to the shields. And one of these aliens reveals herself and is trying to stop the captain. And it's not the same person. It's not the right. it's, it's not the lady that was in the brig, but they're like styled really similarly in a way that I was like, again, Voyager, just like make the one alien the one alien. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't I don't see the the point of having two aliens <laughs> in this case. I well, think. I think it's a jobs program. Ben, I think you want to get some more actors paid. That's the side of it that I'm on. I mean, I'm I'm down with getting more actors paid, but like... How... It doesn't sound like you are. But these are like U5 roles, and I'm saying <laughs> one actor could get like a lot of money versus two actors getting like almost nothing. There are no small roles, Ben. There's only small actors. So she is like pleading with Janeway to like make some sense because uh, she can't break Janeway's command controls and she's like this is so stupid like you're gonna destroy yourself just to destroy us and Janeway's like well that's kind of my whole thing I love the mania of this moment where everyone's like should we turn back and Janeway's like no faster (laughs) she's like putting her arms up like she's on a roller coaster so as they go through the pulsars we cut to an exterior where we see a couple of ticks that have like embedded themselves on the forward part of the ship. I guess it's not really the saucer section because it's not a saucer. What is it? The shovel section? The the primary hull. <laughs> yeah. I think is what they call it. Yeah, and uh, you got to make sure when you get ticks off that the head isn't still stuck in there because it can get infected. You know. You think they took advantage of where the Borg parts were? Oh, like uh, those were like weakened portions of the hull. Might be a scandal. It's uh, really tearing the fucking ship apart going through, but uh, but they make it, and one of the alien ships gets destroyed. It's a good thing that they went through instead of not slingshotting around, because that's time travel. Mm, yeah. Through is transit. Around is time travel. Time is a flat circle. So, so they win the day. Gotten rid of all the bad guys, and uh, Paris and Balana have a post-nightmare date. It's one of those power couple dates where the entire time they're beating back cell phone calls and people trying to get in, get a hold of them from work. I really like these asymmetrical salad plates. Yeah, those did are cool. Did you like them? Yeah. I dig. Pentagonal plate? Kim's at the door. He's loaf blocking. Get the hint, Kim. You more than anyone should know what's going on here. This is pretty much the worst time you could have possibly picked to return my tax documents folder, Harry. (laughs) Now she's going to want to know what's on it and like what I'm into. And I'm not ready to have that conversation yet. This is kind of a first date. We're not far enough along for that revelation. Yeah. I mean, Harry Kim is used to uh, to getting with people on hard mode, so he's just kind of enjoying seeing Tom have to do the same, right? When he fucks off, BLT admits that maybe the captain was right about their urges being so out in the open. Yeah. And then they both come to a horrible realization that they don't know if they were horny or if it was aliens. Yeah. And they also don't know if it was love or aliens. That new relationship energy yeah. could have been medically induced. <laughs> what a terrible realization. Yeah. But it's makeouts into credits, Adam. They better experiment sexually with whether or not this is real. They do a good job of it being like an actually sexy makeout, though. Like, I feel like makeouts on TV can often look really gross and awkward, and like, they really sold this. But was the episode itself super hot, Ben? Mm. You know, I'm really easy to get along with. Yeah, I found it jackable. <laughs> I think that um, Jesus. the medical devices were so nicely designed. The like incredible variety of them that we see, and we see them for like an instant in like the seven walking around POV sequence, but they are really cool and interesting looking, and they're all different and. I think that that 
kind of typifies what I like about this episode is it seems like a real bottle episode, like a real this hardly impacts the storyline of the show kind of episode, but they mm-hmm. didn't they didn't hold back on it. It's not a script that feels like it's full of problems. It's not a presentation that feels like it's full of problems. It feels well-directed. Yeah. It feels well-acted. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just a, a solid episode of Star Trek Colin Voyager. Yeah, about the the devices, I think what I really liked is how they looked rented. And by that, I mean they don't look like they were there for comfort. Yeah, yeah. The medievalism of them and how they looked, I thought really set the tone for the idea that they were being used and experimented on without either their knowledge or their comfort in mind. Yeah, yeah. Even though they couldn't feel it, like it just looks like it's something without that kind of regard for the subjects of their trials. Right. It had that like 1950s medical device look that yeah. like in retrospect looks weird and cruel. Right. Like it looked like um, electric chair ball gag. Right. Like that kind of thing. That's probably something that was on Tom Paris's tax documents folder that Harry Kim returned to him. It does also seem like a straight-over-the-plate kind of Outer Limits-style episode. Totally. Which I think, given to a lesser show or a less talented cast, might not work. But I think the way that the story is acted, and especially by Kate Mulgrew, like, this is low-key a really great Kate Mulgrew episode. Totally. For what she's having to do here. I thought it was great for that reason. But I still think, like, I'm very curious about what's going to happen with Paris and BLT and their relationship because I'm feeling, like, chaste romance between them. <laughs> like, I'm not saying I want to see penetration. <laughs> but, like, they're two attractive people, and I don't want this to turn into, like, a cute thing. I want this to be a real relationship, and I hope that they take it in that yeah. direction. Wow. Well, and, uh, I, and I hope they fuck before salads. Yeah, because... You're so full after a salad. Yeah. And you, you know, sometimes there's raw onion in a salad. Mm. Yeah. Or uh, asparagus. But I guess if they both have it. You That's know. true. Then you don't notice. Hey, this episode aired on my 14th birthday, Adam. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So your mom was probably covering your eyes for the makeouts at the end, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to see if we have anything that we need to cover our eyes for in the P1 inbox? I hope not. I I won't be able to read them. Yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. The interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Then our first priority one message is from Marinera. (laughs) It is to Marinera. Wow. The message goes like this. Hi. Good job for making it this far. Look at you. Being a person. Fantastic. Ben, Adam, you have helped me not unalive myself. Wow. Dick and fart jokes for the win. They keep other dumb ideas out effectively. (laughs) And then there's a request for the Rolaren jingle. I mean, it always trips me out to hear that, and I'm very, very glad that you are here with us, Marinara, and, and, yeah. and not uh, and not no longer here with us, because... Uh, here is better. Yeah. Permanent solution to a temporary problem, as I always say. I never know how to react to that. I think that's the right way to go. We're glad Marinara's here. Yeah. Marinara, sure stick around. Yeah, stick around. There's a lot more show also. Hey, here's that Rolaren jingle one more time, just for good measure. Our next priority one message is from Wiki, and it's to Blondie and Oboner, but she doesn't listen to the pod. Blondie and Oboner, you did it. You chaired a real marathon main event. No more virtual burr miles. You are running around in your red leather bitty yelling at people for not drinking enough. Red leather bitty, yellow leather bitty. (laughs) Goat throat is rocking, and the gimmies are no longer in my basement. More horgons next year. Rage on on! 
We used to get a lot of code P1s. Yeah, yeah. This is this feels like a throwback to that. This this is like somebody in like the Kremlin transmitting something to a sleeper agent in Philadelphia, probably. You probably didn't have yearbooks at your tennis high school, but this feels like one of those pages that seniors get where it's it's all like kind of written in code and with abbreviations I had a, I had and a stuff. Your page in my yearbook. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're familiar with the idea. My high school wasn't that Tennessee. I bet they called you Goat Throat. It was a, it, it was a lot more hippie-ish than you would ever realize. Oh, I'm sure. I bet oboe players call themselves oboners, right? Oboner. Oh yeah, maybe that's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to get a priority one message on the show, it's uh, maximumfun.org/jumbotron. We really appreciate folks that get them because it helps us keep the uh, the show afloat. Hey Ben, what's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I did. Mine's a time code Shimoda. Uh, oh shit! Just past the eight minute mark in this episode is when Janeway leaves Chicote in charge of whatever is going on with this pulsar on the bridge, and. We talked about some of the uh, the fun comedy stuff that Beltran does in this episode, but it would be easy to let this moment go unheralded as one of his funniest moments in the episode because it's very subtle, but he really like straightens up into captain pose when she leaves him in charge in a way that made me laugh out loud as just a, <laughs> it was just a very funny acting choice, and uh, I, I really appreciated it. Boy, you really get it when you watch it on mute. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? There is such a thing as the captain squints, too. Yeah, yeah. He's like hands behind his back. Yeah. Squints into into the view screen like, (laughs) I am the captain now. That's kind of a classic Star Trek scene ender, too. Totally. Like the squint into the distance. Yeah, squint into the next scene. Uh, How about you? Did you find a drunk Shimoda in this episode? I mean, I think for me, it's Paris. Just, like, really being led around by his dick this entire episode. <laughs> I mean, his crank is probably covered in headgear. Right, yeah. Who knows what's going on down there? That's where they did the experiment on him. Yeah. Not a lot of scenes with Seven and Paris in the same room, because uh, if they were, I think we'd see what's going on. True. And just the suggestion that the horniness or even the relationship itself might be an outside force and not their own personal interest, I think is a fascinating idea. (laughs) And I love the idea that that BLT and Paris are kind of uh, grappling with that at the end. So Paris is going to be my Shimoda for that reason. Good Shimoda, Adam. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. We got to figure out what we're watching next week and how we're watching it. Why don't you head to gach.biz/game and I will tell you about season 4 episode 8 Year of Hell part 1. The Krenum Imperium is attempting to return to its former glory by using a temporal weapon ship that can erase entire species of their enemies from existence. We've met the Krenum before, right? We've been warned about them by, uh, I think, by Kess in that uh, Kess is aging in reverse episode. Right, because they were involved in that time dabbling. Yeah, so uh, so the Krenum, we're actually going to meet them, see what they're up to. Probably going to be an episode with some chronometric particles. Time travel. I mean, a temporal weapon without chronometric particles is barely a temporal weapon at all. It's just a weapon. Yeah. And don't pretend it's otherwise. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Ben, our runabout is on square four. Oh, right. We, we came all the way back around, didn't we? It's on the bottom of the board. Crazy. Uh, a six would give us a caretaker episode, which oh, would man. send us to a random square on the board. The but that's random. the only thing that's not a regular episode. That's a possibility, so. Okay. Give it a roll. Give it a roll. Ben, I've rolled a two, which puts us on square six. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which makes Year of Hell Part 1 a regularly done episode by you and me. Wow. What are the chances? 
I mean, I'm going to want a drink for hell. <laughs> so maybe I'll just bring one yeah, but to like, do it. But the, the, wouldn't you imagine that it probably gets really bad in part two? Oh, yeah. So you'd want to drink even more, right? Right. Well, uh, it's been really fun talking about scientific method with you, Adam. Looking forward to Year of Hell. And uh, looking forward to uh, seeing how people react to this episode on the internet. I love seeing people tweet about uh, the show, share it on social media. We really, really appreciate everyone who uses the hashtag GreatestGen to share the show with uh, their followers and their friends. Uh, If you'd like to recommend the show to a friend, we also appreciate that. And uh, if you've really got uh, some time in your day, hey, how about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes? Hey, listen, I know how embarrassing it can be to recommend the show in person. Yeah. That is kind of a secret way to recommend the show to other people. You review the show, it elevates the show in prominence so that people can find it. You don't have to tell them about it. Just review it. Just review it. Just review it! Why don't you review it? (laughs) If you really, really like the show, you can support its production at MaximumFun.org slash join. Connect with Friends of DeSoto all over the internet using the hashtag GreatestGen. Follow us on social media at GreatestTrek. Those accounts are run by the card daddy Bill Tilly, whose tireless efforts we really, really appreciate. We also appreciate Adam Ragusea, who made the original theme music for this show. He's got his own social media accounts. Uh, you should follow him on YouTube where he has a, a great cooking show and also subscribe to the Rugusia podcast, which is also about cooking. Wendy Pretty is the producer at Uxbridge Shimoda. She is. I'd love to blame her for this episode, but... <laughs> Not her fault. I think this is going to be one of ours. Yeah, she is great, and uh, we really appreciate all her work. And uh, we also appreciate the work of Nick Dittmore, who made the artwork for the show. And, uh, hey, everybody out there, you're good. You're, you're good people. We enjoy having you as part of the community. Go get yourself a Slurpee. It's free Slurpee day today. Oh, yeah. 7-Eleven. I mean, if, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it's, it's, right. it's free Slurpee day, which we're not being yeah. paid to tell you. No. Go get yourself a free slushy beverage from a popular convenience store (laughs) and with that we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of the greatest generation Voyager that uh, is uh, you know I don't know probably fucking around with chroniton particles got to for all I can tell I can tell I mean, what is Year of Hell about? The year 2020? (laughs) 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 (laughs)